Hello and welcome everyone to 2004. That's right. We're starting a brand new year on the SmackDown 6 podcast. We're excited to bring it to you today. I am your host, Matt Vaughn, and each week on the podcast, we talk about an episode of SmackDown or a SmackDown pay-per-view or, you know, a double brand pay-per-view, that whole thing. And I am usually joined, almost always joined, by a guest co-host who helps me break it down tonight as someone he's he's I brought him in from the clay. I brought him off the court. He's 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 packing away the green fuzzy tennis balls. Chris Dimitrenko is here and ready to talk about wrestling. How are you doing, Chris? I'm so ready, Matt. Uh, I'm thrilled to be here. I'm glad you I'm thrilled to have you. I'm really excited to have you. And Chris, I'm just gonna come out of the gate kind of hot here. Uh, I don't want to spoil the end of the show, but is this one of the worst endings of a show that you and I have covered? It was the only ending where I was very surprised that it was the ending. I, I, I right. didn't think that it was the end of the show. And then suddenly they're wrapping things up. Yeah, it was to this, totally this weird format. You know, usually I give grief to the show whenever it's like uh, we end the show with Big Show uh, yelling as Brock Lesnar's prone body is underneath him. And it's like, are we looking at the next WWE champion? Yeah, I don't I don't love that. But what they did tonight was a, was a different kind of uh, thing I didn't love. And so let's take everybody through it. Let's walk all the way back. I'm going to give you guys some context. I'll talk about the show. I'll talk about what happened before the show. And then we can talk about... Uh, this rather unusual ending for a SmackDown. And you can tell us yourselves if you listen to the show or if you watch the show or if you just listen to us, if you think it also sounds weird. So we shall see. Uh, so the show we're talking about is the January 1st, 2004 episode of SmackDown. Uh, it taped in 2003, December 30th, and it emanated from the Entertainment Center in Laredo, Texas. Now, that is an arena that knows what it is. It's an entertainment center. You want to see some entertainment? Come to the center. Pretty straightforward. Uh it is now called the Sames Auto Arena. I think believe there's a, a brand or a group, the Sames Auto Group. So it's like you're kind of your local car dealership. This is the level of, uh, you know, the sponsorships that Laredo, Texas is getting, is that their arenas are named after car dealership groups. In Halifax, that would be the O'Regan Center. I don't know. Are there any, are there any good uh, car company, any car dealer groups in Toronto, Chris, that would be that you could name a, a, an arena after? Well, I mean, there's, there's FAF. There's uh, there's like the European brands, and then there's that guy that is like uh, owns all the dealers in Mississauga, who's a big Raptors fan. There's that guy. Okay, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but but yeah, a little unusual that you're naming an arena after a local or even regional car dealership chain. Yeah, it sounds like a deal that would be like the the kind of the, the I would call it the mid five figures. You know, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. what it sounds like to me. Maybe you know what would be great if there was a, an arena in Toronto that was sponsored by um, is it the Cash for Gold guy? I think you guys have a good Cash for Gold guy in Toronto, don't you? Uh, yeah, we do have the Cash for Gold guy. Um, that would be amazing if if they could um, <laughs> own their own arena. <laughs> I get a kick out of that guy. Uh, the, the Entertainment Center in Laredo, Texas. This show did a 3.0 TV rating. Uh, it did not beat Raw. It's also a New Year's Day. Like this show, the week before was Christmas. We'll talk more about that. But New Year's Day is kind of a weird day for it. Uh, the arena holds 8,100 people. It uh, the attendance was 5,100, so it was not packed. Ooh, that's uh, really low, eh? It is. I don't like. I don't know. Big Laredo, like like that's a like a regional car dealer arena. <laughs> that's the issue. Because part of me is like like even offhand, even before what I'm doing right now, I was just googling it here. Is I'm not like oh, of course I know Laredo. Okay, Laredo is literally a border town. This makes sense. It's next to Nuevo Laredo in Mexico. So that is like it, so. This is one of these cities. 
that is literally cut in half by the border where there's people it's all these these weird things where the yeah it's like it is one city but there's a border in between and so there's also a lot of crime unfortunately a lot of these border towns too so anyway interesting not a big arena not a big result from people i wonder how many people came from mexico to see it because people would do that at the time uh but yeah not great so chris let me tell you what happened on last week's episode of the show um it was the tribute to the troops it was more or less a house show that was uh, televised and it was it was put on for the soldier station in baghdad at christmas John Cena beat the Big Show in a non-title match, and the other wrestlers both wrestled and told told soldiers how much they appreciated them and how much they hated Saddam Hussein. And also, Steve Austin was there, and he stunned a bunch of people. Uh, yeah, a, a curiosity, but not one worth returning to the network. I would just say that much, in case anyone was curious about getting back in there. You're, you're, if you didn't get last week's show, uh, you're okay. The podcast was a lot of fun. I had Will on, my brother. It was fun. Good times. And so folks let me tell you about what happened on velocity because there wasn't velocity last week they did not do they didn't card over another eight guys to do a velocity card in front of the troops in in baghdad uh, on this show there was a dark match uh, a guy named jeremy lopez wrestled and defeated someone i don't know who that is but uh he's a texas guy we don't know who the uh his opponent was and then on velocity i got information here at least a train cracked funaki's back on his shoulders and got the one two three pretty pretty big velocity match there for Naki versus a train um, the Bashams defeated the Maximos when a Basham hit a pretty solid looking reverse famous thing. The Maximos are the SAT. These are guys from the early NWA TNA kind of impacty thing who did the Spanish fly. Chris, do you know about the, the, uh, the Maximos or the SAT at all? No clue who you're talking about. Yeah. They, they existed at the time. Uh, I, if they existed now, they would be like, um, um, I think they would probably be at least Lucha Bros level, you know, the, the Lucha Brothers in in AEW. I think these guys these guys were kind of comparable in terms of well, their uh, appearance and things like that. It's kind of tough. If you're not in WWE in like 2002, 2003, you, you're not really having a lot of notoriety outside of like Japan, which is kind of tough for people. But just what it was like back in the day. Uh, we also had Jamie Noble hitting pay dirt, which is his DDT into a front face lock move on a guy named Brandon Groom. And the main event of Velocity, Orlando Jordan hit a power slam on Sakota to get the win for his teammate Shannon Moore. They were going up against the team of Aki and Sakota. So uh, Tajiri's henchman not doing great. We'll see if Tajiri does any better on SmackDown itself. And let's talk about SmackDown. Um, this episode of SmackDown is an hour and 27, which is a bit out longer than usual. Uh, I have a theory, Chris, why this would be longer. Can you think offhand why this show would be a little bit longer than a regular show? Like It's like two minutes longer, which is usually... Uh, I, I remark on it because uh, on TV, you don't really just have free minutes to throw around, right? You need to have advertisers and stuff. Do you know why? Do you, do you have a guess as to why it would be two minutes long? Uh, I mean, I would guess that it's going to be a low rating show and maybe they couldn't get as many sponsors. I don't know. Why, why was it? That's possible. I think it's something to do with the ending. I have a theory with the ending later on where there's a part towards the end where if you cut it, it's pretty much right at the end of the show and then they keep doing stuff. And so part of me is like, I feel like they didn't, co- they weren't confident in what they were originally doing, and they tacked stuff on. So we'll see, we'll see how you think about that. Oh, when we get closer to it, I'll talk it through. My my theorizing. So we begin SmackDown with a video package telling us about what happened two weeks ago when Hardcore Holly was in a tag match with Shannon Moore against A Train and Matt Morgan, and if Holly got his title shot, uh, sorry, if he won, Holly would get a title shot, and he lost. He'd have his contract voided. So it was an all-or-nothing kind of match here. Shannon Moore, uh, Hardcore Holly's tag team partner, was also in a match against Brock Lesnar just before, and he got destroyed, of course. And so Hardcore Holly, uh, during that match, he got hit by a chair, 
that was used by Brock on the outside. And then he took a sit-out powerball from Matt Morgan. He kicked out a two. It was a very silly moment because it's hardcore Holly. And then uh, after an errant bicycle kick, hits Matt Morgan, and Matt Morgan gets hit with an Alabama slam. Mark, hardcore Holly pinned Matt Morgan and earned himself a title shot. Chris, I think we had you on before during the hardcore Holly is a main eventer run here. Um, you know, yeah. are you any more won over by this guy? Uh, not just by the video package, but you know, in his appearance, is, are you any more confident in this guy as someone who could actually belong in a WWE title match at a major pay-per-view like Royal Rumble? Well, no, but the, the way the match in the video package was presented, I thought it looked pretty exciting what went down. And I think that I would have been definitely marking out for hardcore Holly in that moment. And so, yeah, uh, I think it's kind of nice that he gets at least this one match. Uh, Cause you don't necessarily need to be a main eventer all of the time. Uh, but sure. you know, um, I don't know. I would have been interested to see what hardcore Holly versus Brock Lesnar at Royal Rumble would look like. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it is, they did do the right stuff. I mean, even if you don't like it as an idea, um, they did the right things, uh, to actually try to get him over. There's a few things I think they could do differently, which is what I'll talk about a little bit later on when he shows up on the show. But uh, this whole thing is just an interesting experiment, right? Because, I mean, throughout the show, you know, there are people that we've seen on the show where we're like, ah, Eddie Guerrero, of course, made a venture, becomes world champion later on. Like, we get that. Rey Mysterio becomes a world champion later on. John Cena. There's all sorts of people that we look at in the show and we go, of course, that person, yes, duh. You know, we're just, just a matter of time, really. And uh, then there's people that are like, oh, they're actually actively pushing um, Hardcore Holly. Interesting. It's just a curiosity. So... Yeah, it's just kind of strange. But then we have our, our rap intro, the I Want It All rap intro. Hardcore Holly is probably featured in that. Um, the other thing here, Chris, that I'm wondering is, what do you think they thought Hardcore Holly was going to be after all this? Because they're pretty, like, I'm sure they don't think that he's going to, he's not going to beat Brock at Royal Rumble. So are they hoping he comes out of this and people like him well enough that maybe he can hang with, like, the, you know, the Eddie Guerrero, Kurt Angle crowd? I guess that's the hope, yeah, is that he can be, um, a prominent mid-carter with some credibility, sure. Yeah, yeah, I guess that, yeah. And I, and I guess the only way you can tell if that's successful or not is probably, yeah, if crowd reactions, maybe. I don't, I don't know if there's any merchandise at the time either. Like, I don't know if they were selling, like, uh, I'm going to see here. I'm, I'm going to search 2003 Hardcore Holly shirt. Oh, you it's, beat me to it. I was Hey, like, there he is. Same thing, yeah. I appreciate that you were also going to do that. Yeah, okay, hardcore. That looks like something from Redbubble. That does not count. I see a lot of Bob Sparky plug things here. I don't know if he had much. What does it say? Hardcore to the bone. He might have, that might have been a thing he had there. I don't know. Because you're also not seeing any. There's nobody in the crowd that has a hardcore Holly. I think, obviously, I mean, I think it's arguable that people wouldn't have it anyway. Um, that's, a whole, that's a whole dynamic there. So, um, this is, yeah, this is curious, this hardcore Holly, that, that specific aspect of it here. Wow, uh, and I did my own little Google search. Please, yeah. He uh, he wrestled until quite recently, and oh my goodness, how did I forget that he had an auto racing career? Absolutely, that's right. Bob Sparky Plug, right? Or Thurman Sparky? He had a couple early names for himself there, but that's right. I... Thurman Sparky Plug, long hair. Yeah, this is actually he, and he actually was into auto racing too. It was like a real thing he did. He showed up. Yeah, he was in ECW for a little while there. I don't know. They tried. They did try with this guy. The thing, and I think they should have changed the presentation. And I will talk about that a little bit later on during the show. 
Uh, and so Pyro explodes around the SmackDown fist, and we are live to tape in Laredo, Texas, where Cole, Michael Cole, that is, wishes us a happy new year. And it's announced right off the top here. Uh, it's official. Brock Lesnar is going up against Harcourt Holly for the WWE Championship at Royal Rumble. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I Maybe one of the worst world title matches at a Big Five pay per view. Like uh, Mabel versus Diesel might be comparable, but <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what even comes closer to what's similar, right? I mean, uh, at least if you're just looking at those pay per views. Uh, although I think there's a bad, wasn't it like a Batista Great Kali match, like a SummerSlam not that long ago? I feel like there was something like that. Oh, yeah, that probably would not have been very good. Um, I'm, I'm thinking um, the the Randy Orton, Jinder Mahal. Uh, what was that? that uh, the Punjabi prison match. <laughs> thank you. Yes, the Punjabi prison match. Um, yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely not one of the best. We'll, we'll say no one's going to – I don't think any of our listeners are thinking that this was a uh, – Highlight of WWE. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 not great. Um, now, we do have something that's a little bit better here. We start the show off with Rey Mysterio going up against Tajiri with, for the WWE Cruiserweight Championship. Uh, Tajiri is a company that's run by Akio and Sakota. Uh, Rey earned this match last week after he beat Jamie Noble for it. So uh, Rey became number one contender last week. Uh, and we start things off here. Taz talks. Uh, he says, Tajiri is a hero in his home country of Japan. Which I don't know. Is that nice to say? Like he's a hero, considering that that Tajiri's like a pretty like pretty rough heel. Like he's a pretty mean guy. Like he blinded poor Nidia recently. I feel um, like it's not nice to the people of Japan <laughs> that he would be their hero. Um, I mean, I don't know. It, it, maybe it depends on how uh, he's presented in commentary. Yeah, they ha- they have been pretty rough to him. I guess they they've been meaner to Jamie Noble recently because Jamie Noble is using his girlfriend who's got blinded. Uh, so it's worse for the guy who's using the blinded person rather than the person who did the blinding itself. So I don't know. It may be better. Who knows? Uh, Michael Cole also teases a huge surprise. blindness, too. I mean, we all knew she'd get her, her vision back. Right. It was not going to be. Yeah, it was not going to be permanent. How how seriously we take it? They do. They do. They seem pretty serious about it. But we know better. Uh, uh, Michael Cole teases there's going to be a huge surprise for us later on tonight. So that'll be interesting to see about that. Um, I th- Yeah. I mean, Tajiri. Tajiri goes for a handspring elbow at one point here. But before he can hit the elbow, Tajiri gets drop kicked. He gets sent out of the ring. And Ray goes for a flipping senton, and he hits it. And then we take a break. But one thing I want to say about the senton specifically is that, and something that I love about it, is that Ray is already running the ropes. He's He sees Tajiri is down. Tajiri's like on his kind of like on his knees. And he's running the ropes and and running for the senton before Tajiri is on his feet. So we don't have the thing that is often the case now in certain promotions, especially where Tajiri isn't spending eight seconds kind of awkwardly standing outside waiting to get hit with a senton. Like, Ray is coming at him, and Tajiri is just getting to his feet as Ray arrives. I don't know. I think there's a sign of, like, trust in guys. Uh, I don't know. Chris, did you notice that in there at all? Um, I didn't, but I, I'm glad you pointed that out. Yeah. Their, I mean, their chemistry was was very, very good. Yeah, I was I was really pleased with the two. Like, I just think that they these are guys who they wrestled a lot together. And I think, you know, it's it's it can be easy to give people grief for putting together matchups uh, too frequently. Like, I think uh, the point at the time this is releasing, I think we'll, we will have just had uh, SummerSlam uh, 2022. And so there, you, there might be talk of, oh, we've seen this match a number of times before. But at least in a case like this, you get to see something out of it that helps. So you get to see uh, some trust happening here. Uh, and so we take we I think I said we take a break and we come back. Ray's doing pretty well. Uh, but he goes for a 619. Uh, and Tajiri's henchmen interfere with Sakota even intercepting Ray on his way around the ropes, which I liked. So it's like Ray, 
you know, he the, the 619 is all about coming into the ring and swinging around and coming out of it. And then Sakota just grabs his legs, drops him out, clear out of the ring, which I enjoyed. And that lets Sajiri get the edge of the time being here. Now, something that confused me in this match, uh, and Chris, tell me if this confused you too. Tajiri's uh, henchmen are wearing blue collared shirts, and I think they're also wearing black pants. It's more or less the exact same shade as the referee. Uh, the color, both are wearing the same color blue. So it looks like, in addition to the referee in the ring, it looks like there are two more SmackDown referees on the outside of the ring, uh, which I found confusing because I was just like, wait, what's happening out there? But they're just, they're wrestlers. They're not actually referees. So I don't know if that confused you as well or not. It didn't confuse me, but it sure did make them blend in more into the background. And I don't know if that that's something intentional. Yeah, you want them to stick out, I think, right? You want, like, that way, you know, you want their, their cheating to be more obvious to the fans, even to the referee. You know, we referee can kind of play along and not notice it. But um, they did blend in. I agree. The only way they could blend in more is that they wore, like, um, large aluminum foil shirts so they would match you with the ring apron, maybe. That could be something else you could do. Right, right. I think it look good for them. Uh, Ray's knee starting to bothering, bother him here. And the jury starts to work it over. He gets Ray tangled up in the corner and then drop kicks the knee. And then Tajiri goes for a tarantula, but Ray blocks it, and it actually puts Tajiri in this pretty good position for the sunset flip-style roll-up, which is cool. Uh, and then Ray rolls out of that and drop kicks Tajiri right in the face. So, uh, you know, we see the tarantula go, is, got, is attempted, and then it doesn't work. It gets blocked, so Tajiri does this thing we don't really see because Tajiri's got his legs around Ray in a certain way. And you can do a sunset flip out of that. So another great little piece from a couple of guys who uh, faced the other a few times. Very cool sequence, I thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so Ray goes for Hurricane Rana for the second rope and gets two. Uh, and then Ray goes for 6-1, uh, sorry, he goes for the West Coast pop without the 6-1-9. Uh, but Tajiri rolls through it and grabs Ray's leg for a single leg Boston Crab. And then Ray is on the top rope. And Tajiri comes after him, but Ray pushes Tajiri down, which leads to the ref getting hit by Tajiri. So we got the ref who's a little bit uh, woozy here. And so Tajiri grabs Ray. He gets a running power bomb, which is kind of wild. Like I haven't seen a lot of people do running power bombs. Period. <laughs> I don't know if you have much experience with that, Chris, or not. But I was like, oh wow, okay, that's the thing you can do, I guess. Like, what's better than the power bomb? I don't know, sprinting while having the guy over your shoulders, maybe. I guess. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's wild. Uh, and uh, and that gets two. And then Ray gets a six one on Tajiri, but a six uh, sorry a West Coast pop. I'm struggling with. T- <laughs> Ray's moveset. 619 West Coast Pop. The West Coast Pop is dodged, and Tajiri kicks Ray in the head. And then Sakota tries to openly cheat to help Tajiri by holding Ray, uh, so Tajiri can hit him with some green mist. But Ray ducks. Sakota takes green mist right in the face. Akio gets knocked over too, and Ray gets a Hurricane Rana and a roll up for the one, the two, and the three, and Ray Mysterio wins the Cruiserweight Championship. And we see the camera pull back from above to show Laredo is going crazy. Uh, it's not usually your typical camera shot. Uh, Chris, what do you think of this match? What do you think about Ray getting the uh, Cruiserweight title again? I thought it was a thrilling match. Uh, right, yeah. And, you know, wonderful showcase of, of what Ray could do in his prime. And Tajiri. Um, I thought the exchanges were great. Um, the near falls were excellent. I thought that um, Tajiri with his henchmen were going to get away with it and, and sneak out with the title. Um, and, and he didn't. And, uh, so yeah, I thought it was an exceptional start to the show. Yeah. It starts off so good. And, uh, yeah. And the crowd and the crowd was genuinely into it. I think, you know, this is a, like I said earlier, it's, you know, it's a border town. Right. So our guys who are, um, you know, who are Hispanic, you know, like Ray and the Guerreros, this is their chance to get monster reactions and for, and for SmackDown to make the most of it. Uh, so it was a good, it was a good move there. And probably the right time, you know, the jury wasn't doing too much to the cruiserweight title, 
let's put it on Ray. I thought when Ray had the championship earlier in the year, I thought he kind of elevated it a little bit, which, you know, it's, it's always kind of a debating in wrestling. Like, can a wrestler elevate a title? Do titles elevate wrestlers? They go back and forth. How does it work? But, you know, Ray has been presented so well uh, since he debuted in summer 2002. So I think that he brings a lot to the belt. And we will see if he continues to bring a lot to the belt. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not sure. But, yeah. Uh, and we, Kat, Tass says, what a way to kick off the new year. And and the Michael Cole, I mean, he must be so excited about it because he gets in the ring to interview Ray right afterward. He says more or less the same thing to Ray as well. It's a great way to kick off the year. And Ray said that winning this title uh, was his New Year's resolution. And he loves performing everywhere, especially in Texas. And he gets a great reaction to that. Um, pretty cool to get, have your New Year's resolution be to do something and then succeed before the end of the day on january 1st i mean technically he did it december 30th so i don't know if maybe it was his new year's resolution for 2003 and he just got it done under the wire maybe it certainly seems possible i mean if you if you then lose the title does that sort of like invalidate your resolution i'm not sure <laughs> right yes yeah, so we just went it back i need to have the belt the whole year <laughs> yeah uh no i don't know but uh uh but yeah no it was uh it was a, a thrilling start to the show Big respect to those guys. Oh, yeah. And, and, and we continue to have it thrilling because, uh, well, it's the big show uh, because out comes big show. And now, you know, the music is playing and big show comes out. He's he's toting his U.S. championship, which he is still yet to defend. And Rey Mysterio was in the ring confused, which is justifiable. There's zero reason for big show to be there at the time. And um, big show grabs the microphone from Michael Cole, who just leaves. And I see there's a guy in the front row who has a sign that says, Simply fat in the hat. It's a picture of Big Show with a cat in the hat hat on, which is I don't know, n- not particularly inspired, but still kind of funny. I don't know. I mean, it's 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 kind of funny and and just being sort of dumb, which which is I, I suppose the best kind of WWE humor. Yeah, well, I think I think it does work that well. Well, that way, I think so too. Uh, and I, here's some decent humor here, I thought, because Big Show is here to show off his new T-shirt. And it says on it, Chicks Dig It Big. And I believe it has one of his uh, – it has a silhouette of him on there. Uh, and Big Show says of the Chicks Dig It Big line, he says, that's one of them there innuendos. Know what I'm saying? And Ray Mysterio takes issue with this advertisement. Uh, and he's like – so Big Show is just funny. He says he's got a big shirt for people because some fans aren't finely tuned athletes like him. And he says some are, you know, well, they're, they're fat. and. Uh, Ray snatches the shirt from him because he finds this annoying and Ray feigns throwing this into the crowd and they, they do this little kind of like, like keep away game and <laughs> Big Show's mad. He says, the fans didn't pay for that shirt. You don't throw it at them. Like they didn't, they don't deserve that. Don't be like that. And so Ray almost gives, almost gives it back to him and then he throws it into the crowd. And so Big Show is mad about this because he's, he's interrupting Ray Mysterio's moment, but he doesn't care. Uh, and so he goes after Ray and Ray does okay for a second when the Big Show just starts tossing him around. And the Big Show goes for a choke slam, but wait, it's Hardcore Holly in his jeans and no shirt, and he drop kicks Big Show, and he sets up a 619 from Ray. Good job, by the way, to uh, Bob Holly for uh, sticking to his strengths. Bring out the drop kick, succeed with that. And uh, after Ray hits the 619, Ray and Hardcore Holly leave together as Big Show throws his suit jacket around and stews in the ring embarrassed. Uh, I liked Big Show as a comedic guy here. I know they love to have him a monster heel, but I always find... His humor works. I enjoy him doing funny things, and it's almost too bad that he's such a big guy because I think this works just so well for what he's doing. Did you? What did you think of this kind of this kind of random interruption segment? Um, I mean, overall, I guess I liked it. Did I find Big Show uh, terribly funny? No. Um, did I? Did I enjoy 
the fact that he was so self-deprecating about his obvious weight gain. Right. Um, I kind of like that. Yeah, I found that sort of endearing because uh, just in the time that I've seen him during this podcast, this is probably, you know, the roughest he's looked. Yeah, I mean, it's not the roughest he's looked in his career, but I do get that. He's like he's he's absolutely at his, his, his largest size. Um, yeah, it's always funny in wrestling, whenever, especially in WWE, whenever they're like um, – it's all about it's all about like embarrassing the guy and big show does this a lot like he had a feud with eddie guerrero where uh, he had unmentionable things sprayed on him from a truck and it was all about look how embarrassed he is and uh it's just interesting that that, that is a move that works I, I don't find it particularly compelling the embarrassed heel but uh, i mean they like it and he does come out he comes out mad later on so who knows we'll see uh and so we have some soldiers who wish us a happy new year this is from when smackdown was in iraq for the tribute to the troops um, and then we get that great video telling us not to do this at home. Chris, did you ever do any wrestling at home as a kid? No, not at all. No, Ooh. my friends and I like, like maybe we would sort of like shove each other into like a locker or something. Right. But the idea that you would just like give your friend a power bomb that didn't happen. Did you do that? <laughs> Absolutely. I, you know, I had uh, one time our mutual friend and, and uh, previous podcast uh, co-host with me here, uh, Daniel Petipa has has in the past, he said, Matt, powerbomb me right now. And I was like, out, just we're just out on grass right now. He's like, powerbomb me right now. What? I know because he's that kind of guy. Uh, he, that is his thing is that he wants to get powerbomb. But, you know, I was the youngest of three brothers. And so, yeah, wrestling happened. And I was I was involved in backyard wrestling. I was a referee. I, you know, there was. There's all sorts of illicit wrestling here. I mean, in this, you know, this is the the video that, that here where they say, yes, this is entertainment, but the hazards are real. And you have Michael Cole say, trainers, EMTs, referees down, which is one uh, a, a line my brother Will loves to quote sometimes. Uh, and so yeah, so um, there was ample trying this at home. And I'll be I'll be honest, um, I do some wrestling moves to my kids uh, onto big piles of pillows and stuff like that. Uh, I recently I recently hit a razor's edge on my son on some pillows. He loved it, so yeah. I'm gonna keep doing it until uh, I get in trouble for doing it. But they enjoy it. Uh, how did the power bomb go with Daniel? I don't know if I ever actually did it, because um, I think because the power bomb involved requires me to lift Daniel up over my head uh, and, and hit him on the ground. So I think I probably would have just um, probably would have broken his neck. So yeah. I don't think I did that. But I, I think I think we've done wrestling things before, right? Like I mean, it's. He and he's such a you know, Daniel is like do some wrestling moves. And then he always has these amazing cells and stuff like that. So you're like you hit a stunner and he's flying backwards. So he's a generous wrestler. He's a generous guy to, to uh, play against. So or to wrestle against. So I'm grateful for that. Okay. okay. Yeah. Uh, and so we come back. We take another look at Big Show being a jerk a few moments ago, uh, which is what Michael Cole calls him a jerk. And uh, something that bugs me here, Chris, is that the commentary. This is 20 years ago that that I'm giving grief to, but. Uh, they keep calling him Hardcore as if his first name is Hardcore, and that bugs me. His first name is not Hardcore. Obviously, his his name is Hardcore Holly, but it's not like he woke up in the morning and his his wife's like Hardcore. What do you think? Or his parents call him and go Hardcore. What's your deal? Like, it doesn't. I just I don't get it. I don't get it. Better than Bob. I mean, that's the problem because I will propose later on repackaging him, but there's no there's nothing you can do because it's like can't call him Bob. Uh, you can't nope. just like you can't just you get to the modern WWE thing where you just call him Holly. That'd be weird. I mean, Holly is you know generally considered a woman's name. <laughs> Think of Holly from The Office. It'd be very Christmassy, but 
Yeah, right. it would have worked the week before. But uh, yeah, no, I can't do that. Sure. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Holly, hardcore. Anyway, we go, we come back to real time. And Big Show is tossing a bunch of stuff around backstage. He throws an empty steel keg and this random CRTV. Uh, it's not very big. Sorry, CRT TV, to be clear. And uh, Paul Heyman rushes in. He, he he begs Big Show, let me make a match for you tonight against Hardcore Holly. And I look, and Paul Heyman's hair is like toner black. Like it's like a very – it looks like he dyed his hair very recently. Like he, they had a little Christmas break, and he's like, I'm going to dye my hair because he definitely did. Uh, and so Big Show doesn't respond to Paul Heyman's uh, match offer, but he does throw another TV. And so we just – I think that he, we're going to take for granted that the throwing of a TV means that something is happening. Um, I think that that maybe should be something we factor into more of our lives, right? That if you ask somebody a question, they throw a TV down to the ground, it means yes. Um, I think the mo- ultimate form of this would be to go to a wedding and you ask the bride, you know, do you say I do? And instead of that, they just throw TVs on the ground and that counts. I think that should count. I think Thanks. we've talked about this, haven't we? That it would be just really fun to to be able to throw a television. Oh, it'd be great. I think we have mentioned it before, right? That, that whole thing. Like, and I had a my parents had like a pretty size of like a 40 inch CRTV TV. So like I had some big things and like the TVs are also so front heavy that they're kind of asking you to drop them on their face. And so well, for yeah. Big Show to do that, I get it. It's exciting. Yeah, yeah. I um I'd love to throw a TV. Um I'd be thrilled. Uh, so, yeah, Big Show's living his best life and our best lives. And then we go to a match that I thought we've seen a million times already, Bradshaw versus Rhino. Uh, and we see footage from Tribute to the Troops last week when uh, and Cole gave uh, Bradshaw a bunch of credit for being, uh, you know, kind of a, a big part of the whole Tribute to the Troops endeavor. Uh, and Michael Cole says this is only the third match between these two, but it does feel like the seventh to me. You know, two weeks ago we had um, Rhino face Farouk after we called out Bradshaw. Rhino got disqualified for a blatant low blow. I mean, the idea that someone would get disqualified for a blatant low blow, I mean, could you imagine someone doing that on, on a SmackDown show? It would be so stupid, right? Uh, yeah, you don't see that very often. Yeah, unfortunately we will see that later tonight. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, uh, yes, so Bradshaw whips Rhino into the quarter early on. He goes for the clothesline from hell. But Rhino ducks it, and he DDTs Bradshaw for two. Uh, and then Bradshaw catches and tosses Rhino in a fallaway slam, which I will say, of all the things I said about this match, it's kind of impressive that you can do that considering the size of Rhino. Sure. And yeah. like wrestling, this is one of the things I would say. Wrestling is cool in part because there's very other, re, there's very few other places where you get to see people throw other people around, real or otherwise. You just don't see that very much. Not in real life, no. Not in real life. just doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Um and then Rhino misses a, a, a dive in the corner, and Bradshaw smacks him with the clothesline from hell. And we have the one, two, three. I don't know. This just doesn't. I, I don't know why they keep doing this match. I'm not. I'm whoever the audience is for this. It's not me. It was. It was uninspiring for sure. Um, yeah, it didn't do a lot for me. I was kind of glad it was done quick. Yeah, it was, at least it was over quick. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then we go to see Taz. Taz is a copy of Lowrider magazine, which only shut down recently, by the way, which I think is wild that it lasted um, not just 2003, but into I think into 2021 at least. Uh, and this issue features Eddie Guerrero on the cover. Uh, he's still got his U.S. title over shoulder. He lost it in October, so this photo is, is pretty old, I suppose. And apparently Eddie and Chavo were invited to take part in a Lowrider parade earlier in the day, and we see them uh, surveying uh, Lowriders. They ride in one. They even seem to be swapping seats when it's moving. 
so yeah, just a little bit of uh, uh, which I, I I guess a little bit of cultural flair. Here are these guys they're they're doing lowrider stuff here in Laredo, Texas. Uh, and WWE is not done congratulating themselves for going to Iraq. So we get a video package showing what they did and. It's set this kind of countryish music, which I guess is the kind of music that was very troop-centric at the time, especially. And we begin with generic troop footage. We see a bunch of statues of Saddam toppling over. Uh, and we see wrestlers on an Air Force plane, which I guess is the only way to get into an active war zone. And we see Charlie Haas. He's getting lightly teased, uh, I believe, by Chris Benoit, who kind of rubs his face with a hair or something like that. And then we see wrestlers trying to relax and sleep on the plane, which has, like, and like this is, you know, I'm trying to paint a picture, Chris. Like this is a large Air Force jet, and it is not set up like a regular airplane. Uh, it is set up like there's just a bunch of space in the middle where they're actually looking cargo, which probably is like the ring. Uh, and on the sides, kind of in these these facing the middle, these seats, wrestlers are just sitting there, and the seats do not look comfortable. It looks like hell to sleep on. And I imagine this this flight. It probably would be a very long flight if they're flying from anywhere to Iraq. Maybe they stop off in Europe. I'm not totally sure. Um, I don't know. Chris, can you sleep on a plane? Would this be a plane experience that you would uh, be able to uh, make the most of? Or does this just look like as, as hellish as I thought it looked? Uh, it looks pretty hellish. Um, I'd have difficulty sleeping on that plane for sure. And I guess that was the point is like we're willing to suffer a terrible sleep. Um for for the troops, anything for the troops. I, I guess that's the idea. That is the idea. That, that they they want to still be those people, right? They want to mm-hmm. they want to be that. You know, we see um, John Cena, who later on become a very very big troop guy. Uh, he's reading a book next to what appears to be Sable, who looks pretty miserable, which is too bad. Uh, and yeah, I think we see uh, some guy say he sings "I'm Alive Again" as we see some actual footage from SmackDown last week. And this goes right into Paul Heyman walking backstage. He's talking directly to the camera. And he's doing this very genuine talk about the honor of being in front of the troops. And as he's doing that, as a lot of people did last week, he gets interrupted by John Cena. Calls him out for not being there. He calls Paul Heyman a coward. Heyman says he's not a coward. He's all about opportunity, like the Royal Rumble. And he says Cena is not currently in the Royal Rumble, but Heyman says he can be, though, if he wins his match tonight, which is next. And it's a handicap match against all three members of the FBI, and it's, and, and, and it's next. And Cena can pick a partner, he says, if anyone wants to join him. But if they lose, both of them are out of the rumble. And Heyman shrieks, Happy New Year, as Cena leaves. I don't know, is facing all three members of the FBI really that much of a challenge at this point? Like, they're not exactly the uh, a fearsome gang of guys like they might have been like a year ago or whenever they formed. I mean, it could have been one versus three. And I still would not have put any money on FBI. Right. <laughs> You're like, yeah, I mean, if they have to tag in and out, I don't, I still doesn't seem like that, that type of deal. I could have picked up another member in like four versus one. Uh, hmm. Yeah, yeah. They should have added somebody. That's a good point. They should have added like, I don't know if somebody suggested this before. So apologies if they did. They should have added like Don Marie as like their, like their lady who's like chews on gum and is all like, all kind of bronxy the whole time. I thought that could, could have been kind of good. Yeah, he could have done a good job with that. That would have given, that would have made them 100% more interesting. Right, and, just uh, add a little bit. Poor, poor Don Marie doesn't seem like she's got a whole lot going on right now. So we, we, we will see her in a little bit here. Uh, we, we, we. But something I noticed, something I thought about as I'm watching this happen, is I'm like, okay, this only makes sense as a storyline if the person that partners with Cena is Chris Benoit, because Benoit was denied a future title shot. This is his best shot at it, and uh, I wrote this down before I saw the match. Um, so. 
I, this is just a pure prediction from me. Um, so let's see what happens here. The next match is the FBI versus John Cena and someone. Um, and the FBI are in the ring already. Um, and Cena, yeah, I mean, yeah. If you're in the ring already, that's already not a great sign for how you're going to do. I don't know if I mean, I'm, maybe they'd be interesting to see like a, a chart of like, this is how many times people in the ring have right. been gone without an entrance. And you're like, yeah, usually it's like, yeah, local talent. Chris Demetrenko is going to wrestle uh, uh, Edge or something like that. I'm like, all right. Yeah, yeah. Johnny Stamboli has hair now. He's no longer just bald. I don't know if that's a choice or what it is. Uh, John Cena stands at the entrance for his rap. Usually he likes to do it on the way to the ring or in the ring. And he mostly jokes about how the FBI, members of the FBI are gay men who like to have sex with each other because in 2002, or sorry, in 2004, I suppose, certainly when the show came out, uh, that's what uh, insulting someone was. Now, I mean, it's not even really insulting. It's just what people, it's much more normal. Uh, so <laughs> that's what Cena did. Uh, and John Cena approaches the ring. And of course, Chris Benoit's music hits. And Michael Cole says, Chris Benoit and John Cena don't even really like each other, which is true. They've wrestled before. Uh, we have had them, you know, before, on the lead up to some, uh, Survivor Series. We had Benoit and Cena actually do the, hey, we're in a tag team, but we don't necessarily like each other. So we've done this before. Uh, we've gotten there. Although I did make me think, Chris, I was like, what would it be like if I was forced to beat up a group of people with a coworker I didn't really like? That'd be kind of a curious experience. Maybe a good bonding experience. If only that was an option to you too, right? Like, hey, I know in that meeting you were kind of struggling. You were kind of like uh, having it out with uh, Jafar. So uh, why don't you, you and Jafar go and beat up somebody from a rival organization? That could be, I don't know. That, could, that I think that could be a uniting factor, a, a good principle. What do you think? Yeah, I'm thinking about that now, actually, about like, you know, a, a, co-longer, a co-worker who I, I don't particularly jive with. And if we had the opportunity to beat someone up, I think that would help. I, that would help. It's good. I want to, you know, folks, especially if you're listening to this and you're like, if you're in a position of authority in your organization, whether it's a business or a nonprofit um, or something like that, I just want to encourage you to think about that as a way to do some team building where um, take a couple of people who don't usually get along and have them literally fight other people. Um, not from your organization, you know, let's build up, you know, if you if you work for you know, like a subway, go have them go beat up a, maybe a rival subway, maybe a McDonald's, maybe an Arby's. Um, my Arby's, Ar- people from Subway beating up people from Arby's feels punching down. That doesn't feel like a good fair fight to me. Um, seems kind of rude. Uh, so yeah, maybe yeah, I would say fight, go fight McDonald's if you're in Subway. The Arby's, the Arby's people beat up the Subway people, right? Yeah, they, maybe they would. They might beat them. They they, they, no, they have the meats. Win that fight. I don't know. I don't know. It's possible. Bigger thing would be like, yeah, who who is between like McDonald's and, and Wendy's? I realize these are tough for my my, my vegan co-host here, but um, that's what I just think about. I mean, uh, Wendy's a little less popular, but I think the when I think the McDonald's people are pretty tough because that's that's a difficult job. Like yeah. you need to be on the ball if you're working at McDonald's. No, I think McDonald's people do well in a fight. I think Arby's people do well in a fight. I think uh, the sandwich artists over at Subway, they're really gonna struggle in this arena. Yeah, interesting. Next time, folks, you're going out to get like a, whether it's you're getting a bagel somewhere or you're just getting some lunch, I want you to imagine people behind the counter fighting another group of people and see how well they would do. I'd love to hear it. To tell me if you like, I, if you, I want you to text, I want you to tweet me. I'm at MP Vaughn on Twitter. Um, you know, if you, if you, if you're like, hey, I just went to McDonald's and I think the crew behind the counter could whip some ass, I think you should tell me and say where you were and who was on there. And what I will do. Maybe this will be the thing I will promise you. If you send me information about that, I will email the manager and say, hey, you had literally had a kick-ass crew on the grill today. 
because I have intel that they looked like a bunch of tough, tough people. And I think that you got some badasses working for you. So good for you. So anyway, I will do that. Add MP vote on Twitter. Tell me if you see people uh, who work at a fast food place who look like they could kick some ass. Now you have to do it. It has to happen. I will do it. I promise I will do it. Um, so yeah, Benoit comes out with John Cena to take on the FBI. Benoit takes the mic, and of course he has to kind of wrap his response. It's really just rhyming. He doesn't. He says he has nothing to lose. Um, it's safe to presume he wouldn't be in the Royal Rumble anyway, because uh, Heyman promised there'd be no title shots. Um, and he says the he's gonna make these B words tap. And so Benoit Cena hit the ring, and they get beat on by this trio of guys. And uh, Cena friendly becomes the babyface in peril, and he gets beat on by the FBI. There's no really for him. Uh, and then we we have Cena in a headlock. We get this kind of curious camera shot. You know, in, in wrestling, especially this time, there's some kind of consistent camera shots. Either hard camera, uh, sorry, the, the hard side camera there. Uh, and then uh, but here we have a, like a crane swinging in to give us a view of the action we don't often see. It was, it was kind of a weird thing. I don't know if it was a new thing they're trying, an arena-specific thing, or, or something they're just doing in Laredo. Chris, did you notice these kind of unique camera moves? Uh, not really, no. But I had a hard time... Uh, actually, like, paying attention to this match because, again, I just felt that the outcome was so um, so foreseen. Yeah. That it was, it was really difficult to be, to be engaged. And I found this, like, poor FBI. I'm sure they're trying really hard. They probably do pretty well against most fast food crews um, right. if they had an entrance. If yeah, I mean that's a big thing, right? Yeah. Once people had an had an entrance, then sorry FBI, you're not winning that one. But um, apart from that, I had uh, you know, uh, yeah, I didn't notice some of the finer details of any FBI match. I think that's fair. I think to have a match like this that kind of makes you pay more attention, I think it has to be the winners get in the Royal Rumble and the losers don't. And it has to be like maybe competitive. Like if you did this match and you're running against like Los Guerreros or something, where there's a little bit of contention later on, you're like, oh, I want to see some of these guys in this Royal Rumble and only a few of them can be. That's actually interesting to me. Sure. Um, so yeah, I mean, Cena, he gets out of his uh, the headlock. He gets his protoplex. He tags in Benoit. He runs wild. He's standing on step suplex to everybody. Uh, he hits a flying headbutt on Johnny Stamboli, but he gets interrupted to get only a two count. Um, and there's a kind of a, ni- a nice-ish... Near fall here because Benoit gets a sharpshooter on Stamboli, uh, but Palumbo super kicks him, which is good because uh, Benoit is essentially standing up with his arms uh, occupied, and so he gets super kicked right in the face, uh, and then only gets a count of two, and then Benoit reverses a military press into a cross face, and John Cena gets an fu now that it's the attitude adjustment on uh, I don't know who it was uh, on Nunzu or or Palumbo, but. Uh, after he hits it, Stamboli taps in the crossface, and so John Cena and Benoit are our first confirmed SmackDown roster guys in that match. Uh, and so it's good. I mean, I like building the Royal Rumble, even if this match there wasn't too much to it. The one thing I will say about it, Chris, though, is that um, Benoit has Stamboli in the crossface for a while because he has him in the crossface, and then Cena has to get the FU on the guy and hit it to completion, so it's like 10 seconds. And we've even seen recently, I, don't know who it was, I think it was Cena. They had a match a few weeks ago to see who would face Brock Lesnar that night. And when uh, when Cena was in the crossface, he's only in it for like three seconds and he tapped out. I was like, why is Stamboli getting to have this like 10 second time? Right. Right. Yeah. It was weird. I was like, all right. Imagine that he misapplied it or something like that. Right. He really wasn't torquing it into that point. Yeah. Uh, and so we go from there. So we got, our, you know, we have two SmackDown guys who are in the Rumble, John Cena, 
Chris Benoit. We'll see if there's any uh, consequences from those that that, uh, that development there. And then we see a uh, a super long line of soldiers who were lined up to get some autographs from the WWE restor- uh, superstars last week. Uh, and it was a very long line. They really just took you from the beginning to the end. Um, I always wonder in lines like that too, like is it just is do these all, do all these people know who the wrestlers are, or are they just kind of like, wow, well, something on the base, let's do something, please. I'm in the desert. I spend most of my time just trying to kill people. So please, what <laughs> do these guys are? Right. Yeah. yeah. I think I think I'd be pretty excited about just about any celebrity that came to visit me. Right. Uh, Real Housewives of Atlanta or whatever. Sure, I'm gonna cheer for them. Yeah. I mean, you're like, hey, look, it's, it's former Prime Minister Kim Campbell is here, everybody. <laughs> yeah, let's go see her. Campbell. Let's do Absolutely. it. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. There's what. There's our Canadian content for you, there, folks. Uh, maybe Joe Clark would be there. Uh, <laughs> I think so, but the moment I said his name, I was like, I'm not super convinced that Joe Clark is still ticket. I think he is. I'm gonna Google it. Joe Clark, folks, he was a uh, he was a uh, prime minister for a very brief amount of time. He's still alive, at least at the time of recording. He's 83 years old. Um, yeah, he was prime minister from June to March, uh, June 79 to March in 1980. Okay, he was he was prime minister for longer than I thought he was. Yeah, longer than I thought. Sure. So there he goes, and he, and he was there for a while. Um, yeah, previously he was leader of opposition. Pre- before that, uh, Robert Stanfield, proud son of Nova Scotia, was uh, the uh, the uh, uh, leader of the official opposition there. Uh, so there you go. Some uh, some good Canadian content here on the SmackDown 6 podcast. Uh, and uh, yeah, so uh, yeah, I imagine Soul should be excited to see just about anybody. And speaking of people, you would be excited to see someone I would stand in line for. Uh, we've got Kurt Angle coming out. We haven't seen him in weeks. This must be the uh, the big surprise that Michael Cole was talking about. And uh, Kurt's wearing a shirt that says Freedom of Choice. And on the back it says Tap Out or Angle Slam. Uh, I've always found that shirt kind of funny. It seems like overly, like the reference is like so political and so charged, especially in like 2003. Yeah. I don't know, like, because if you wear that shirt, it's like blue with like, like uh, I think if you see that shirt now, He's like, oh, that person's a Democrat. <laughs> I think that's what you would look and think that. But that's just a reference, essentially, is what's happening with his Freedom of Choice American Americana shirt here. I mean, it would be it would be really funny to wear that shirt and just get just some really confused reactions out of people. Um, like, I'd want to follow around. I want I I wouldn't want to wear it myself, but I want to like go to a bar with you, Matt, wearing that shirt and just see how people react to it. Right. Like, yeah. I mean. People are like, oh, I love it, man. You're like, that's right. Angle slam, we're tapping out. Like, what? What do you mean? <laughs> Read the whole shirt. Oh, man. Uh, so this is what Kurt Angle is wearing. And the irony is that they, that you don't get the choice. Right. Who's you it? don't. You, you're locked in. You get you cut the count. Cut the lights from the angle slam or you tap out. Yeah. Your, yeah, that's it. Uh, and so Kurt says he's happy to be here. Um, there's a big USA chant that happens. He says he was in the Middle East recently as well, even though he wasn't in Iraq with everybody else, or not at the same time as everybody else. And Kirkets would, you know, I would say genuinely emotionally sharing a story of a soldier who's fighting in the Middle East, uh, and, he, and he left his wife and his, his, uh, his uh, I think his baby when it, when his wife was six months pregnant or eight months pregnant rather. And I guess he wasn't, wasn't the baby then, but he had a baby after the fact. And um, and so essentially, Kurt is saying, you know, I, I get to see my family, um, which is kind of weird because. He's like, yeah, I don't, I don't, I, don't, I get to see my family and soldiers don't. It's like, but you're a wrestler. You don't really see your family that much. Bubbles. You're home like, uh, you're probably home like, I don't know, like a day a week or two days a week, maybe ideally. Like, I, I don't think that you're really uh, getting a chance to, yeah, spend that much time with them there. So I thought that was a bit strange. 
Uh, and then Kurt declares for the Royal Rumble, which I guess he could just do. I mean, I know that Cena and Benoit had to fight for it, but Kurt's saying, sure, I'm going to do that. Yeah, he says, yeah, he says he's going to throw 29 guys over the top rope, which is not how you have to win a Rumble. You can throw one guy over the top and win a Rumble, uh, which is, I think people, I think it's probably happened before. Uh, and Angle says he's going to win the Rumble for the troops. Uh, and so, yeah, I, so Kurt Angle just seems like he's a good, good guy here, right? Like, I feel like we're supposed to take away from this Kurt Angle, American hero, good guy. He is kind of hitching his wagon to the troops right now. So this is a good dude. Am, am, am I right in that assumption or how I would think of that? Because that's the only way I can take from this. The only way I can take this. Yeah, I mean, they're le- they leaned really heavily into his love for the troops. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, that's, I guess, the... The pro, like the the ultimate way you want to get someone over is by, you know, just how how much they love the troops and and I'd say I'd give him a ten on his love for the troops here. He's big there. Now the thing is though, at the end of the night, I'm less sure that that's what he's supposed to be. We can talk about that later on because Kurt makes an appearance later on. I find confusing, uh, and that I'm not sure of, and so I will have to talk more about that because yeah, Kurt is being yeah. pretty full throated here. Uh, apparently, Michael Cole says that Kurt Angle went to Iraq with the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. It's a big deal military. I don't know why he's going with him. It just seems like, you know, that was what you would do if you were going to be, like, leading an insurgency against the Iraqi military. But maybe right. Kurt did. Was he was he involved? Was he planning it? Uh, I mean, that's, that's a real love for the troops if you're, uh, if you're actually, like, <laughs> you know, part of that. Yeah. I love the troops so much, I strategize with military intelligence yeah. <laughs> to plan multiple missions. I went over there, and I spent multiple nights uh, wearing my night vision goggles going with the guys. And uh, <laughs> that's what it seems like, at least, when you're with those big deal guys. And so we go from Kurt Angle being proudly militaristic to Big Show going up against Hardcore Holly in a non-title match. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Is, you know, is the fact that, Kurt, that Hardcore Holly has a title match against Brock Lesnar at Royal Rumble... Is that good enough reason to not have the U.S. title on the line here? Uh, sh- sure, yeah. I mean, I mean, I think that it would have, for its place on the card, if they had made it a title match, it would have, I think, hurt the U.S. title to right. not give it enough fanfare. So I think it was a good choice. Yeah, I think that it really sticks out to me in the context of him not defending the U.S. title since he won it at No Mercy. But in the con- this context specifically, I guess Tukas Heyman is also saying, do you want to beat up Hardcore Holly? It would make sense. Do you want to beat up Hardcore Holly? You do have to put your title on the line, though. Wait, that really no make sense. Was that December? October. So it's January 2004, and it's been October. He has not defended the title. Not once, not against somebody, not Orlando Jordan in an easy match or anything like that. Zero time. He'll never defend it on the podcast. We're going to finish the night after Royal Rumble. SmackDown after Royal Rumble. Big Show never defends his title. He wins it and then never defends it on the podcast. He does later on, but it is so much later on. So, okay. So, I guess it, this was a real lean time for the U.S. title not being taken too seriously. It's pretty rough. Uh, not a big fan of that. Um, I see Harker Holly come out. He still has the same entrance music, and he still has the same tights. And I think we've talked about on this podcast before that I think he needs to wear jeans when he wrestles if he wants to be a badass, and I think he needs to have different entrance music. Because right now, he's just got his kind of dweedly little, like, year 2000 music, and I don't think it's a win. I think that they could make, they just put him in jeans, give him some new entrance music, maybe give him a t- like a, like a, some merchandise t-shirt. I think you'd almost have a JBL-esque change for him. You know, here's a, a pretty big ch- character change where you're like, you want him to be the same guy who got his neck broken, but let's change it up enough so we can maybe uh, trick some people into thinking this is a guy who's a real contender. 
That's what yeah. I think at least. There's uh there's something about him that just isn't quite enough. Um, yeah, and, that's and a good word for it. Certainly, the the wardrobe is a part of that. Yeah, uh, you know, not to be too mean to you, Hardcore Holly, but you are insufficient mm-hmm. as you are right now. And so they start off firing off fists, but Big Show quickly comes to dominate uh, Hardcore Holly. Now, Holly manages to, to hang up Big Show's neck on the top rope, and then he uh, comes in with a big clothesline from the top for a two count. And then Big Show drops the straps, and he hits a shoulder block on Hardcore Holly. And the commentators are twisting themselves into knots to say that it actually hurts the neck. See, I, I think in wrestling, if you want to hurt the neck, you hurt, you hurt the neck. I don't think you hit things near the neck and you go like, ah, that, that would kind of hurt the neck if you're near it and kind of messing it up. That would suck. It's like, just hit him in the neck, please. Sure. Yeah. Oh, man. So uh, Big Show grabs a full Nelson on Hardcore Holly. Uh, apparently, he said he wanted to break Hardcore Holly's neck. That's how you do that. And Rey Mysterio appears. He's coming out. He's taking issue with Big Show interrupting him early in the night. And he's got a chair. He comes off the top with a chair. But Big Show just punches the chair away. And uh, Big Show grabs a chokehold on Hardcore Holly, ready to take him for a ride with a choke slam. But Hardcore Holly kicks Big Show in the groin right in front of the referee. And so he gets disqualified. It's like, great. Just what I want to see our, our top title contenders doing, getting disqualified against mid-card title holders. I was like, what What a weak way to make this match happen. Like, I understand if Big Show gets mad and attacks Hardcore Holly. Maybe it doesn't look Hardcore Holly look tough, but just to kick him in the dick and be like, oh, at least he, you know, he got DQ'd. It's like, that's just lame, man. I mean, it is pretty lame, but I mean, what were you, were you expecting Hardcore Holly to go over on, on Big Show? I mean, maybe it would have been a good idea to give him some credibility, but... Um, that would have been a pretty rough loss for Big Show to lose to Hardcore Holly. I honestly did expect him to win because essentially it's just like, well, we need to do something to get him to the title match at Royal Rumble. Yeah. And, uh, and and this was something. And they did not do that at all. Now, what they did do after the match, try to make up for it. And it's so funny, they do these things and I'm like, you're making up for it. I can tell wrestling. Uh, is that Hardcore Holly grabs the chair that Rey Mysterio had. The referee was holding, he rips it out of his hands. And Hardcore Holly smacks Big Show three times in the head with the chair, and it looks pretty much like it hurts. Mm-hmm. These are, you know, just your classic headshot, chair shots, uh, the things you would never see now. And uh, I just I hope Big Show's okay. Do you think that he bladed, or do you think that that was, like, just legit from the chair shot when, when he was bleeding all over his forehead? Big Show. I think I think he bladed because I think that it's the kind of thing they would do to be like, hey, let's add a little bit of – you know, sorry for the uh, the play on words to add a little juice to the occasion. Juice obviously being sometimes a word I use for blood in wrestling. Um, so it seemed intentional. Uh, and also looking at the chair shots, like I've seen chair shots like uh, earlier in the podcast here. Matt Hardy hit uh, Brock Lesnar from behind with a chair and he hit him awkwardly kind of between where the seat is and where the panel of it is. And, her, and Brock Lesnar's head like bled like a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I think that 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 would not that was not intentional. But I think this was because I think this is trying to make. Um, Harker Holly looked tougher, uh, but yeah, rough chair shots and, and big show. Now he's bloody. He's more mad than ever. So there we are. Not, he's, he's still, he's embarrassed. He's, he's, he's mad. He's bloody. Not a great night for big show. And then <laughs> what a treat. We get a Billy Gunn, Mr. Ass hype video telling us that Billy Gunn is returning at the Royal Rumble. And I'm just like, man, we're building stars here, aren't we? We're bringing in, you know, why bring in new blood like Brock Lesnar? We can barely repackage guys from the mid nineties as big deals. How exciting. I've I've always found like Billy Gunn to be really sort of confusing. Mm. Uh, <laughs> didn't, didn't he have a thing where he was like mooning the crowd for a while? Wasn't that a big thing that he was doing? 
Yeah, right. mooning the crowd and then acting like it was something we all wanted. We were like, show yeah. us your ass, man. Come on. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's really kind of strange behavior, um, especially from from a promotion that, you know, well, as earlier in the show, you know, Cena, um, you know, making like these, you know, homophobic uh, sort of raps. And then and then. Look here, we've got a guy who's going to show us his ass, and we're supposed to cheer that on. And uh, this is the ass man. Uh, yeah, it's weird. So weird. Strange. I mean, what do you expect from a guy named Ass Man, I suppose? Uh, Mr. Ass. I suppose. Uh, uh, but, but yeah, when you like the song, I'm an ass man, I, I think let's, let's like dig deep into this. So Dig deep into uh, the ass. Let's yeah. do it. Okay. Uh, like that's like he's the song means that he's a guy who who likes women who have nice asses, right? That's what is that what the song's about? This, I mean, the problem with going deep into this is that it is a crazy can of worms open because it's like it's not clear. It's not clear. It seems like he, I mean, he clearly has an ass he wants to share with other people. I mean, the lyrics of the song are also the question he talks about. Uh, he likes to pick them. He likes to stick them. I uh, likes to kick them. So clearly, you know, he he is embracing the I like to kick ass. It's one of his things. But he also is just, you know, he's always kind of seen this equal opportunity. I mean, really, we have to recognize Billy Gunn, a bit of a bi icon uh, as Mr. Ass from the early 2000s. I mean, as a uh, a, a, a a man whose uh, sexual orientation seemed to go both ways. Well, as I, was convenient. I, that did. I, I, I just looked up the lyrics to the song, uh, which which is definitely definitely gonna haunt my like like uh google search history in the future. yeah and your, your instagram ads are ruined from now on just, just so you know i will i care i'm very curious here what you're gonna start getting delivered to, to your uh to your feed now because it's all it's all over but I, I don't think i ever really like looked at it uh so many asses so little time so little time only a tight one can stop me on the dime <laughs> i'm a lover okay, so that... of every kind the right. surprises always sneak up from behind it's it's kind of clever it is it is clever it someone was given <laughs> someone was given the instruction write a song about being an ass man and he was like okay and he got kind of did this very vague thing and i mean hit it out of the park i mean we can, yeah, we can say as much so i, I just want to hear like sort of like the behind the music or you behind know, the music like you know how they have like oh yeah exactly give him uh, a look right now folks well, like new york times has like those like you know, um, like talk about how a song is written. Like I'm just yeah. curious, like who was writing the song? Um, Jim, I think Jim Johnston, right? Like I think, or I think it's, I think it's the name of the uh, the great um, WWE guy, Jim Johnston. Yeah, Jim Johnston, go on, uh, go on, Song Exploder, man. We got, we need to find out. Yeah, uh, what yeah. we did here. Um, anyhow, okay, yes. Sorry, I, I that was a long digression. For a short promo by Billy Gunn, but he's uh, he's back. Okay, it's important. And uh, yeah, Billy Gunn's on his way. We'll see him at Royal Rumble, folks. So yeah, just just wait just a few short weeks, and we'll get back to it here. Oh yeah, Jim Johnston. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you if you look him up on Spotify, he he whether he likes it or not, he gets the credit for this one. Big time. He's done a lot of great stuff. Uh, uh, so and this might be it, depending on how you feel about Mr. Ass. Uh, we go backstage, and Don Marie is with Paul Heyman. She's asking about getting a spot on the cover of SmackDown Magazine, uh, which Paul Heyman pretty much ignores immediately. I noticed behind them, 
There are multiple WWE championship belts and shadow boxes behind Paul Heyman. There's photos of uh, Heyman with Big Show, Heyman with Brock Lesnar. I think it'd be kind of awkward to see have Brock Lesnar to see it uh, because his photo and belts are next to Big Show and Heyman screwed over Brock so the Big Show would win it. It's kind of a strange thing. We have multiple WWE titles just kind of sitting behind them, which is which is a curious thing to see on TV when everyone's talking about the belt. And it's like, well, there's a couple instances of the belt right there. It's one thing to have them in the crowd. It's another thing to have them backstage looking immaculate. Uh, and Chris Benoit comes in. And so Paul Heyman sends Don Marie away because we have to have a conversation here. And Paul Heyman says Benoit is just a working stiff. He says he may take time away from his wife and family, which is not a great thing to talk about now. Uh, yeah. But, but Heyman says that Benoit is just like the fans. And Heyman says if Benoit wants to be the number one guy in the company, you know, he might do that. But, but Benoit will actually be the number one entrant in the Royal Rumble. So Benoit is in the Rumble. But he's going to go in at number one. And Benoit grabs Heyman's index finger and bends it. He drops Heyman to his knees, and Benoit leaves. So uh, the, the Benoit-Heyman feud continues here. So we'll see kind of who comes out on top. We'll see pretty quick. Uh, we see Rey Mysterio in the back. He's celebrating with the good guys uh, like Funaki and Bradshaw. Um, kind of funny because Ray won the title, and then we also saw him interfere in another match. And so I assume, you know, he was getting celebrated then. So I think maybe did he come away from the champagne to interfere in the Hardcore Holly match, and then he went back to this? Maybe. I'm not sure. Um, and then Eddie Guerrero comes up and and he he celebrates with Ray too. He talks about doing a full Raza. He's all very excited. And then in walks Chavo Guerrero, and he doesn't want to applaud Ray, even though everyone's telling him, "Hey man, congratulate Ray." He doesn't do it. He says he wants to talk to Eddie. And so he pulls Eddie aside, and Chavo says to his uncle, "Look, you, you said you wanted to be in the Royal Rumble. That's selfish, man. Like our job is to win tag team gold again. They got to focus for tonight for their match, which I thought was a title match, and it's super not." <laughs> We'll see that in just a couple minutes here, but this is not a title match at all. Uh, and uh, I think that you know Eddie's a little bit chasing here. I think someone from this match on locker room just has to pull Eddie aside and tell him, "Look, this is, might be painful for you to hear, but your your nephew turned heel, and you seem to be acting like he's a good guy. He's not a good guy. He's constantly doing heelish things, and you should treat him as such because uh, Eddie's currently undergoing you know, uncle abuse. I would argue. Uh, that's fair. That's a fair characterization. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean. Just because you're chasing the tag team gold doesn't mean that you shouldn't have Royal Rumble aspirations. I mean, right. how many Royal Rumbles were the Bushwhackers a part of? Probably quite a few. Right. Uh, absolutely. And, uh, I mean, yeah, you think you know, these things are not mutually exclusive. I mean, you know, if if Eddie is getting high-profile places on the card and they want to still go for the title, uh, you know, the, there might be a good chance to do it because, you know, hey, your your, your status is elevated now. You got, you got, you got a championship contender on there. It could be very good. Um, poor Chavo. And then we have our poor Eddie, because Chavo's mean. Uh, then we get a, a hey, you should watch SmackDown ad while we're watching SmackDown, telling us to smack our TV. There's some guy in an office, his, his boss is mean to him, and then he looks up and Vince McMahon is there, and he smashes his laptop screen down onto his hand, and the guy's hand hurts. Uh, and then they watch the show, and then and then Vince is he smashes his hand down on his laptop again. And I'm watching this little stupid ad, which is fine. Uh, and I'm just thinking, like, you know, if but, somebody close, possibly what actually happens in WWE headquarters. Oh sure, I was just thinking that, like, now if you did that to my my laptop, I think my laptop screen would break before my hands would. Yeah, probably. Right. Yeah. These, we're, we're not working these these big plastic blocky uh, Lenovo ThinkPads. Oh, oh, I'm not. Maybe other people are. All the respect, everybody's working on a Lenovo ThinkPad with a little the little kind of rubbery. I don't want to, you know describe it too much, but a little mouse, which I've never really understood how that works, but it does work. Like a little pimple on there you navigate your computer around with <laughs> a green thing anyway we get to our main event for the evening 
It's Los Guerreros against the world's greatest tag team. I thought this would be a title match against the Bashams. Bashams are already to be found here. Um, I don't know. I don't even know why Chavo's giving Eddie grief for a non-title match. I mean, this match does make sense because we're in Laredo, Laredo, Texas, and the Guerreros are big uh, baby faces here, which makes sense. Uh, I do see that as the world's greatest tag team are coming out, uh, the announcer and the Chiron says the self-proclaimed world's greatest tag team. Um, I do have to say that's not true. They weren't self-proclaimed. I believe Vince McMahon called them the world's greatest tag team. Uh, and they started going by that moniker. So they are very much not self-proclaimed. They were proclaimed by the boss, which is who's the guy who literally says what everybody is. So, yeah, not self-proclaimed. Uh, pretty quickly, Chavo was put in the babyface in peril position, which is kind of a big part of the story of this match. Because Chavo gets a chance to tag out to Eddie. And he hesitates. And he doesn't tag out. He just turns around and then gets promptly run over by Charlie Haas. And Eddie's like, what are you doing, man? I can't believe that. And as he's doing that, it's a big Eddie. Eddie chant and uh and, and Chavo uh you know makes this he's making the selfish decision even though he called Eddie selfish here so we got a hypocrite in the ring with with everybody else and uh, Eddie ends up dragging Chavo over to his corner so he can tag out and Eddie runs wild he throws out some drop kicks he does his cool ring uh you know running up the ring to uh, arm drag headsters combo and both members of the world's greatest tag team Eddie goes for a frog splash. So he goes to like get out of the ring and do a frog splash. But as he's going out of the ring, uh, Chavo Guerrero tags in. It's a blind tag on Eddie. And Eddie's like, what are you doing, man? Uh, but Eddie gets also knocked off the apron. Uh, and Chavo goes up. He goes for frog splash, but he hesitates big time. He's doing all his little poses here. And uh, he gives Charlie Haas lots of time because Charlie, uh, uh, Chavo goes up and Charlie Haas gets his knees up right at the last second. And so Chavo was hurt. And so Shelton Benjamin then just simply smacks Chavo real hard with a really nice super kick. And Charlie Haas covers Chavo for the one, two, three. And I was like, man, you have Hardcore Holly get intentionally disqualified for King of Big Show in the groin. And then you have Charlie Haas beat Los Guerreros at home. That's too bad. Uh, and it makes sense storyline-wise. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah. But it's still like, oh, that's, that's pretty rough. And the weird thing here, this is the thing. 5,000 people there anyway. Sorry, Laredo. I know. Apologies, Laredo. If you're going uh, to let down a crowd, maybe it's there. Yeah. So the match ends, and I'm looking, and I'm like, there are six minutes left in this show, and I do not know why. Because it's not really enough time for, like, a brand-new segment where, hey, let's bring Brock Lesnar out, let's do a promo. Like, just strange. And so after the match, Chavo grabs a mic, and Eddie's standing in the ring with him. And Chavo blames Eddie for losing the match. And Chavo laments the lack of Chavo. Chavo chance. Mm-hmm. And Chavo says he's sick of Eddie, and he slaps Eddie in the face. And Chavo wants a fight. He's like, he's like, come on, let's do it, let's do it, let's do it. Eddie is raging. He's going to turn around. He's going to clobber his nephew. But suddenly, for no reason at all, really, Kurt Angle runs in, and he separates the guys, and he hugs Eddie kind of to keep him away from Chavo. And Chavo sneaks away. And Kirk tries to talk some sense to Eddie, who calms down. We take a commercial break. We come back with like three minutes left in the show, which is roughly when the show would end anyway. Mm -hmm. And we get a recap of what happened. And we come back and Eddie Guerrero and Chavo, sorry, Eddie Guerrero and Kurt Angle are arguing in the locker room backstage. And Kurt says Eddie is selfish for wanting to enter the Royal Rumble because Chavo is family. And Kurt says, hey, I'm entering the Rumble for the troops. Kurt says, (laughs) he tells Eddie, Go look in the mirror. And I'm like, huh. And he's like, let me look in the mirror. And I just don't know what to make sense. I don't know how to, I don't know how to make sense of this here. Like, 
like Chavo is doing these obvious, very obvious bad things. Eddie shouldn't have to put up with the family or not. Like Chavo's the aggressor here. So mm-hmm. is Kurt Angle turning heel here? Like what is this? Uh, yeah, yeah. It is a bit confusing to have Kurt Angle defending the heel because that by proxy makes him a heel. If you're if you're defending the conduct of the heel, right? So, um, yes, but I I took it as like by virtue of his vociferous defense of of the troops that he is is on the side of virtue here, and he is simply concerned about their family uh, not being separated. I I. I I don't think it's a heel turn. Yeah, I mean it's it's weird. I'm one. Yeah, the thing I will say is that Kurt Angle and Eddie Guerrero will face each other at WrestleMania. So there's some seeds being planted here for where you you know what where wherever we go with this, uh, Kurt Angle and Eddie are going to have some. Uh, they're going to be at odds during this time. Uh, and so we come back to Michael Cole and Taz at the announce table. They're trying to make sense of it all. And then we cut abruptly to a Happy New Year graphic and a weird dubbed over Happy New Year from Cole and Taz, and we go off the air. So, like, okay, just to run, just to run this back for everybody here, Eddie and Chavo Guerrero lose their tag match. They stand in the ring. Chavo slaps Eddie. Eddie is going to fight him, but Kurt Angle calms him down. We take a commercial break. We watch the clips all over again. Kurt in the locker room tells Eddie to chill out, which is kind of weird. We Cole and Taz talk about it, and then we end. And it's like... It was just just an underwhelming, not exciting thing. And, and and I'm looking at this, Chris, and I'm thinking, you know, are we is the show running long? Because originally it ended. This is my this is kind of my, my conspiracy theory, which I can never prove. Were Eddie and Kurt supposed to end the show in the ring where, where they just like Kurt comes in, he stops Eddie and then we go off the air with Eddie like, oh, you might have been. And then do they you know, do they they add in the backstage segment because it didn't make any sense that Kurt Angle just came out. Uh, like, I, I just can't make sense. It's like, like, what did you think of this ending? And is there any way you can make sense of why this was a thing? Well, I mean, I, I suppose the notion of Kurt Angle's return was supposed to redeem it all and make it seem special enough. Uh, and that, you know, the build to their breakup. Uh, people were supposed to be emotionally invested enough that this would be main event worthy, but but it just it just wasn't. It just wasn't. And yeah. uh, uh, I, I'm assuming they must have had some dark match on to end the night. They, if you were in the arena, it probably would have been extremely confusing to yeah. this sort of end with a, a backstage segment. Um, so it was. Yeah, as I mentioned, I I didn't think this was the ending to the show. I thought that even though they didn't announce some main event later, I just sort of had it in my head that that there must be something more consequential happening after this. Yeah, I mean, according to the records I have here, there was nothing after this. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, otherwise, it would tell me if there was a dark match after the show, and it often would, but uh, there's nothing here. So, yeah, the crowd. You know what? The other thing, too, is when I was watching the show, I don't think there's much crowd reaction to stuff in the locker room. I'm not even sure the crowd saw that stuff with Kurt and Eddie talking in the backstage there. Oh, you think? Really? Okay. I don't think I don't think there was any crowd stuff. I mean, I don't know what else you would do. Yeah, yeah, I suppose. Um, that was weird. I mean, it must have been a, a pretty underwhelming night. Like, when, when you start with something as hot as that Tajiri Ray match with the title change, Right. I'm thinking like this is going to be a great show. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what if you could rearrange the show where you have that that match goes on last and yeah. Chavo and Eddie already had a little bit of a blow up in their tag match earlier. Maybe Ray, maybe Eddie comes out to celebrate with with Ray and then Chavo comes out. He gets the mic. He's like, Ray, Eddie, how come you're not celebrating with like we're not celebrating with our tag titles together because you're selfish. You're coming out here. You're supporting Ray. You should be supporting me. What are you doing? And maybe maybe Eddie and Chavo have a, have a fight. There's a pull apart brawl. Maybe people try to split them up. And Ray, Ray wins the title, but then we have this, this this big dramatic family thing, and that's how we go off the air. Maybe we could do that. That's one thought I have for how you can make the show a little bit better. Right, but then you'd miss out on, like, the Ray-Big Show situation, which sets up the Big Show-Bob Holly match. We could have Bob, we could have Big Show and Bob Holly be mad at each other for other reasons. We could I have, suppose. you know. You could, yeah, I suppose. You could knock over a soup by accident or maybe on purpose. Mm-hmm. We, we haven't had a soup feud in a while. <laughs> Yeah. That's one option. Uh, so, Chris, I'd love to get your sense of your final thoughts of the show and how you, you would rate it. We use the SmackDown video games of this era to rate the show. If it was a bad show, you would say, here comes the pain. If it's a good show, you would say, just bring it. If it was an ass show in between those two, you'd say, shut your mouth. Chris, I'd love to hear your thoughts on the show and your rating. I'm sorry, Matt. It's got to be here comes the pain. It started so promising. And then um, failed to deliver after that. Yeah, I get it. I get it. You know, I'm looking at the show, and I'm thinking, where is Brock Lesnar? Brock Lesnar wasn't on the show. He wasn't in Baghdad. He wasn't here. Like, where is he? Uh, how are we supposed to build up to the Royal Rumble with him? I'm not. He's not around. I don't, and maybe, maybe there's something going on with him at the time. I don't. I'm not sure. Um, you know, why is Hardcore Holly not beating the Big Show in a non-title match? What's the deal with that ending? You know, uh, the rematch is good. I'm glad that Cena and Ben were in the Rumble. Uh, I'm glad Kurt is back. But I'm looking at it and like, and right now, Chris, what I'm experiencing is the dilemma of peer pressure. Because I was like, is this a shut your mouth? But it might be here comes the pain, right? Because I think it ends so stupidly. And yeah. there's one good match at the beginning, really. Not much else to it there. So I, I, I'm I'm going to say here comes the pain as well. You, you've you changed my mind. You brought me over to the side. I was conflicted. That weird ending really left a bad taste in my mouth. I also went I went online uh, and I looked up some contemporaneous opinions of the time. What were people thinking back in 2004? And a couple of different people were like, that's the end of it. What the hell's with the ending of this show? What are we doing? So I was like, great. Feel good. Feel justified. Yeah. I mean, you said, where's Brock? Also, where are the women? I mean, right. I know that. I know that throughout this past year women that haven't exactly been a prominent part of the show right um like i'm suddenly longing for the days of of uh of, of uh, Don, uh tori wilson's dad al wilson exactly exactly <laughs> uh, at least at least then you had some presence whereas all we had was don marie sitting for five seconds next to yeah. Um, Paul Heyman before he tells her to to get lost. Uh, you know that was that was the extent of women's presence on this episode. This was a like even by WWE standards, this was quite the sausage party. Yeah, I mean she she literally she exists to say I want to be I want to be on the cover of SmackDown magazine. And essentially, Paul Heyman says shut up and go away. <laughs> like yeah. it, honestly, that's all she does. Uh, I think, you know what you're hitting on, too, though, is that without Stephanie McMahon around, it feels a lot tougher for women. Because at least Stephanie McMahon, like, here's a respectable person, even if there's not that many other women around. The person who's calling the shots, who the show is revolving around, is Stephanie McMahon. And now it's just, like, another guy. 
And I think, and I think honestly, especially if you were used to watching wrestling now, the lack of women really sticks out on these shows because it just it's it's such a completely different style, a completely different style of show. So I think it makes sense. So it's gone from like what was you know at the at the at like the start of two thousand and three, which was like kind of bad, demeaning representation of the women performers and. Yeah. They- they were involved in all these tawdry storylines, and now it's just no representation, which maybe is worse. Yeah, it's hard to say. If you're if you're are you if you're actively making things worse, is it better than uh, passively making things worse? <laughs> yeah, I don't hard know. I don't know. We'll say that for, we'll say that for a, a university for a philosophy class, which which yeah. is better. Uh-huh. Uh, so yeah, next week's show we're gonna be covering the January eighth, two thousand four episode of SmackDown. We're back on the road to Royal Rumble. I hope it is a better ending than that. I think that it is almost certainly uh, we're gonna go up can't from there. Can't be worse, Matt. It c- it truly can't be worse. Uh, and you know what couldn't be better? Ending to the show, Matt, or are we just gonna like just like cut it off in the most awkward way possible? We should. Yeah, I'm like usually I would tell you, Chris, that I'm grateful for you being here. You're a great guy. I would tell people to watch, you know follow us on Smack on on. Instagram on Twitter, SmackDown 6, SmackDown 6 Pods, a radar show on uh, Apple Podcasts, everything like that. But I think instead, we should just wish everybody a happy new year and just end it here. 